This podcast is brought to you by the Nuclear Energy Institute. It powers our cities. It boosts our economy. It creates jobs. It even powers space travel. It's nuclear energy, and it does so much more than you think. Discover all nuclear is doing at discovernuclear.com backslash CQ. From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Big Story Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. There's an election on Tuesday, and it's the first skirmish in this year's Republican Civil War. In Alabama, an appointed Senator Luther Strange is the candidate of the party establishment, and yet he's the one with the backing of the outsider president, Donald Trump. He's facing off against former state Supreme Court Chief Justice Roy Moore, whose controversial conservatism has the ear of so many of the Trump diehards. For a preview of the race, I'm joined on the telephone by James Astle, the Lexington columnist for The Economist, and here in the studio by my roll call colleague, Bridget Bowman, both of whom have been covering this race. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you, David. James, let's start with you. Maybe you could give us a little bit of an understanding of who Judge Moore is by describing for us your most recent encounter with him at a campaign rally down in Alabama. It was very Trumpian, yes, indeed. I uh, I attended a, a rally um, that Judge Moore held in Huntsville, northern Alabama, a couple of days ago. And it was, as you might expect, given the, the judge's history and his politics, which actually... Uh, have little um, to say about secular issues and an awful lot to do with the role of of the Bible in American public life as he sees it and in the, the, the necessary entwining of church and state as the judge sees it. So he gave a speech very much along those, ty- those lines. It was, it was uh, uh, rich in uh, biblical quotation and included almost no policy reference whatsoever. Um, I th- you know, al- almost the only gesture to modern American political environment as recognized by most Americans was a brief, very Trumpian diatribe against uh, the, the, the couple of local uh, television camera crews that were at the back of the hall uh, recording him. He said that they, were misrepre- they would be bound to misrepresent him. They always misrepresented him. They would cut and chop his words. It was... It was strikingly uh, aggressive, as well as, of course, being a direct echo of the sort of things that President Trump says on the campaign trail and indeed in office. Straight after his speech, I went up to him and said, could I have five minutes of your time? Introduce myself at all. Of course, I'm James Assel from The Economist. And uh, his, quite aggressively, one of his aides just leant forward and said, this is not, a me- this is not some kind of media conference. So I, I stepped back. And he then received a, a procession of well-wishers, attendees at his rally, who just wanted selfies taken with him, said that they were all for him, whatever. And then that, that line cleared, and so he was standing on his own with his wife uh, in the middle of this, this, this rally uh, venue, completely unbothered by anybody else. I stepped forward again and said, I'm really sorry to bother you, Judge, but could you at least tell me three things, three policy issues that you would like to take up in Washington, D.C. Whereupon, to my surprise, I must say, he leant forward and said, get out of my face. And I said, I'm sorry. He said, get out of my face. 
and uh, and then he gestured to his police bodyguards who just came up and took me by the arm and walked me out of the the building it was it was kind of surprising to me i have to say that is a heck of a story we know <laughs> very few candidates have the um have either the, the discipline or the uh, or the lack of discipline to to get away with being quite that aggressive with a with a reporter, uh, Bridget. So to start us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about Luther Strange, who seems to be sort of the antithesis of this, at least when I see him around the mm-hmm. the Capitol hallways. Sure. So Senator Strange is the former Attorney General of the state. Uh, he was appointed to the seat by former Governor Robert Bentley uh, when former Senator Jeff Sessions uh, became the Attorney General of the United States. Uh, There were some questions around that appointment, given that it was uh, unclear whether Strange's office was investigating the governor. The governor eventually had to resign over some ethics issues, trying to cover up an affair with government funds and that sort of thing. So Senator Strange, he's referred to as Big Luther around the Capitol. He's very, very tall. You cannot miss him. I believe he is the tallest senator in American history. I think that's that's about right. It's a bit of trivia there. Right. Yep, good fun fact <laughs> there for you. And he is well-liked by other senators, um, has not been there for that long, but clearly has the backing of the majority leader, Mitch McConnell, and other senators as well. And a team player, right? I mean, he comes right. across as right convivial mm-hmm. and... Uh, sort of hail fellow well met and 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 ha- just just happy to be here and as you say he seems to to want to plug himself in by being uh, a down the line acolyte of the leadership uh, whereas um and I guess we'll go back to you James I th- I think w- that judge Moore has said things like if he's elected uh he'll be out to undercut R- Republican leader McConnell from the very start yes uh, in in aligning himself with uh, President Trump and Trump's campaign rhetoric, both, I guess, because he's a sort of a novice to this kind of political reporting and Trump's the successful model, but also because this is, of course, in a state which voted very heavily for President Trump. He has sort of uh, neatly switched his sort of pre-existing attack on the liberal elite to uh, include the Republican establishment. I think he started out with that right at the beginning of the campaign, and uh, he has become you know, ever harder in his resolve to um, con- confront and uh, fight back at um, Mitch uh, McConnell and his, his henchmen, as the judge describes them, um, because of the uh, quite damaging attack, acts, uh, attack ads that he's on the receiving end for which uh, he blames Mitch McConnell. And, and now... Um his his uh, wingmen, his campaign wingmen here in this final weeks, right? The, the the election is on Tuesday, and we should just sort of say this is only a Republican primary. But in Alabama, winning the Republican primary on Tuesday is is tantamount to winning the general election. There is a Democrat. He's a, actually a former U.S. attorney named Doug Jones, who will be on the ballot for the general election. But he has almost a no no chance whatsoever of actually becoming elected. So Tuesday Tuesday is the ball game, and all the big guns are going in this weekend. Uh, the big guns for Judge Moore are Sarah Palin, the former vice presidential nominee, and if you can consider him a big gun, uh, Sebastian Gorka, the nationalist, former nas- uh, national security official in the White House, um, who's now sort of started a Make America Great Again crusade of his own, uh, and then for Senator Strange, the president and the vice president. Do the Republican voters sort of understand who's on which side here and that, that Trump, is, Trump 
is on the side of the establishment, Bridget? Yeah, uh, that's been something I've been talking to different Republican strategists inside and outside of Alabama about that, that there is that kind of strange dynamic where you have, you also have this um, outside group called Great America Alliance that is a very pro-Trump group, was active in the 2016 election. They are supporting Judge Moore. And I talked to the chairman of that group earlier today and said, you know, how are you balancing not supporting the candidate that Trump supports, but saying that you're pro-Trump? And he said that we look at it more as a movement, a Trump movement, and that we think that more is the best vehicle, best candidate to support that movement, kind of hinting that there might have been other motivations for the president. He said there are always different reasons why the president endorses a certain candidate, but we look at the Trump agenda and see more as as that person. Um, some strategists I've talked to have noted that voters in Alabama who support the president might, it's not like supporting Senator Strange would cause them not to support the president, but that they they can differentiate between backing Trump and backing more. And I'm just some voters are just fed up with just D.C. in the D.C. establishment, and they can associate that with Senator Strange on some level. So Moore is the candidate of the uh, super anti-business as usual, right? Because he's the, he's right. the so-called Ten Commandments judge. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose we should remind people, why is he called the Ten Commandments judge? Well, he was actually eventually removed from the bench because of this. Um, in the early 2000s, he installed a statue of the Ten Commandments in the state courthouse and was told to remove that, refused, and that eventually led to him kind of being ousted, and he was eventually reelected again to the state Supreme Court. But that is where he really gained a lot of prominence. So he is a unique... Uh, and, and oh, then something, well, and then something else, then he did something else that got him off the state Supreme Court, did he not? Right. So most recently, he ordered um, judges not to comply with the Supreme Court ruling that to recognize same-sex marriage, and that caused an issue there, and he was essentially removed over that as well. So he is, James, you would be um, combatively anti-politically correct. Is that an okay way of putting it? It's very easy and indeed right from from Washington to, to see in this, uh, you know, all the kind of delineations of, of, of the establishment and the establishment. However, I do think it's probably worth stressing that there's a particular resonance in Alabama right now um, around this sort of uh, establishment, anti-establishment um, uh, face-off because the, the Republican Party amongst Republican voters has a very bad name in Alabama right now. They've, they, they've had a run of scandals not only involving the Chief Justice, who is, who is admired for his stand on principle, um, but they've had some more tawdry scandals involving the former governor, uh, uh, Robert Bentley, who was, of course, um, embroiled in a sex scandal and had to resign as a result of it. Also, the former Speaker uh, of um, the, the State uh, the state House, uh, the, the Chamber, Mike Hubbard, who uh, was convicted on corruption charges last year. So, so the Republican establishment um, has a bad name in Alabama right now. And a man who, who stands on principle, even if it's not entirely clear to voters, what that principle might be, what the issues um, that the judge would stand on in Washington might be, uh, has a bit of an advantage. So I, I think that um, though there's certainly a, a resonance of you know Steve Bannon versus Mitch McConnell, um, the populist Trump against the pragmatic Trump that needs to get legislation done on the Hill, all of that, all of that resonance, all of that drama is, is certainly in play in Alabama right now. But, but for voters... 
I think um, many of them see two candidates, Luther Strange and Roy Moore, who both set off in this campaign embracing Trump and Trump's agenda quite hard. Their policy platform is virtually identical. They they disagree on nothing if you look at uh, the policies that they advertise. But uh, notwithstanding that, they see an anti-establishment candidate, Roy Moore, uh, a man who who has branded himself around his willingness to stand on matters of conscience and principle. And that, they feel, certainly the polling suggests, is somewhat in tune with the needs of the hour for uh, conservatives in Alabama, given the recent history of scandal. And now, more from our sponsor, the Nuclear Energy Institute. It powers our cities and towns across the country. It creates jobs. It adds billions to the economy. It even powers space travel. Life as we know it wouldn't be life as we know it without it. And it's called nuclear energy. Yes, nuclear energy. Every day, nuclear energy helps us to keep our country running and moving forward. Discover all the things nuclear is doing at discovernuclear.com backslash CQ. Nuclear. Power. The Extraordinary. There's still a few days to go here, but we at this juncture, as we're all speaking, uh, Judge Moore is, we think, the favorite. Yes, uh, the real clear politics, they average together all the polls, and their average right now shows more ahead by eight to nine points. Um, but although polls have ranged from more with a two-point lead to like an 18-point lead, so it's kind of all over the place right now. Um, but those who are working with Strange's campaign, allies of his campaign, say that they see it tightening in the final days, and they're really hoping that Trump going down there, Pence going down there right before the election can really boost turnout because they want more voters to turn out, especially in some of the more urban areas and especially around Birmingham. It is interesting to me that the, the president, well, he's, he's, been, he's been relatively cautious with his own political capital, mm-hmm. uh, and the times when he's spent it so far in the last seven months have been on relatively good bets. Uh, going with the underdog here and risking a loss. I mean, a loss would be a loss, and the president doesn't like to lose. I'm, I'm, is there any sort of inside skinny as to why he decided to go in for Senator Strange? Um, there are different theories to that. I talked to the president of the Senate Leadership Fund, which is the group um, lined with McConnell that's been backing Strange, spent millions of dollars on this race. And they see Trump as being a key player in these kinds of primaries. And part of the calculation to having attacks against Mo Brooks in the primary, who uh, supported Ted Cruz in the Republican primary, they drudged up all of those comments that Brooks made about Trump, criticizing him, in a sense, almost in a way to try and affect Trump's opinion of him and try and encourage him to back Senator Strange and show him that this other candidate did not support him. So... Maybe that had some kind of influence. I'm not sure if anyone really knows what what truly drove that endorsement, but that might have been part of it. What happens if What happens if Strange loses, James? Do you see Do you see President Trump has got a way to wiggle out of uh, this? As you say, uh, President Trump likes wins, and a, and a loss is a loss. So I think it would undoubtedly be uh, a little embarrassing for him, and it would certainly be uh, emboldening for. Um, Sebastian Gorka, if, as you say, if he counts, um, but also Steve Bannon and the, and the sort of Breitbart uh, populist nationalist movement that see themselves as being champions of Trumpism, if not always um, uh, uncritical supporters of the president himself. 
So I think that um, the, this would certainly be a fillip for, for that increasingly organized populist Trumpist movement, which sees themselves as, as being a, a potential corrective to the president's uh, occasional uh, instincts to turn um, more in an establishment pragmatic direction. Perhaps that, that could lead to more primary challenges to sitting Republicans early next year than we might otherwise see. So there will be consequences from this and perhaps consequences that the president might not like. In the end, how much difference it would make to Mitch McConnell's cohort uh, in the Senate, I think is questionable. Both candidates are sworn to support the, the president's agenda in the Senate. Uh, James, you, you bring up a really good point about emboldening future primary challengers to incumbents. That is something that some Republicans are concerned about. I talked to Senator John Cornyn, Republican from Texas. He's the majority whip, former NRSC chairman. Uh, and he said he was concerned that this could embolden other primary challengers if more were to win. And when I asked him, how do you counteract that? How do you combat that? He said, well, Luther has to win. And so it'll be really interesting to see how they try and counteract that because they need to be winning some of these primaries to kind of quiet that discontent. Right. We're looking ahead to potential contests in Tennessee, mm-hmm. Arizona, maybe Nevada. Those would be the three states in which we've got Bob Corker in Tennessee, Dean Heller in Nevada, Jeff Flake in Arizona. All the, the, the more confrontational conservatives are sort of loaded for bear in each of those three places. Right. I think that's where we're going to need to leave it at this point. James, thank you very much for, for ringing in. And Bridget, thank you so much for being here. James Astle, the Lexington columnist for The Economist. Bridget Bowman, political reporter for Roll Call. I'm David Hawkins, the senior editor of CQ Roll Call. Thank you all so much for being with us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One.